Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, White Sox fans. My name is Brett Valentini, and welcome to Sox Populi Podcast 167, Soxivus Week 3. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, we, we apologize for not being with you for appointed viewing or listening on our usual like Sunday, Monday Avenue. The truth is, listen, I think all of you out there can understand Father Saxivus has been extra taxed. It takes a lot to dig all of the coal he needs out of the mines to drop in all of our White Sox fans' stockings this year. We get an extra helping this year. It's piling on this year. And so that meant like sort of double shifts to generate all the coal. Uh, Father Saxivus, the shoulder soreness, has it abated? Are, are you feeling a little bit more back to health after a really tough weekend of you know- the coal gathering? I, I'm working through it. Um, Jerry Reinstorf seems to be giving me a run for the money, but mm-hmm. I, I'm determined to make sure that every Sox fan has coal and they're mm-hmm. stocking this, this oh. season. So that's just I, I try it. To give. You can always go to his stores if you really do fall short. It's just like, okay, Jerry, help me out. You've been stockpiling for 40 years. It gives him up. And what, what, Sox was no. a, a twist that I wasn't expecting. So, you know, he, he really outdid me there, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'm sure after our break, uh, we will maybe might, we may have a little bit of um, free time to discuss maybe <laughs> recent developments of the offseason. Because, yeah, it just sort of keeps we can we keep saying I think, Tommy, you're always nodding. Brian, I'm sure you're you're with us on this as well, where it's just like. We don't think we've hit bottom yet. And I mean, we've seen those confirmations almost day to day at this point, but we'll get to that. Uh, Brian O'Neill, of course, joining as well. Father Socks of us, Tommy Barbie, the point of all of this. Blame him if anything goes wrong with these podcasts or if you don't like them. I'm guessing after I speak my piece, maybe you won't like it, but ah, oh, well, hey, that's what we're here for, to make people angry because... You're the ones listening to or watching a White Sox podcast. We know you want to be angry if you're doing that. So come on, don't kid yourself. Like, you know, one of us is going to offend you. Get out of here. Uh, feats of strength. Tommy uh, Sakatuas, uh, let us know what that's all about and specifically maybe what the assignment was this year, the little wrinkle maybe you threw into it for week three this year. Absolutely. Um in the spirit of the Getzian purge that we are supposedly living amongst, where Chris Getz pathetically said, I don't like this team. <laughs> Even though he helped make it. <laughs> you helped make the team, you helped develop the players, but you don't like the team. Whatever. That being said, he has decided he doesn't like the team. Pedro Gafral, when he has a thought, has decided that he also doesn't like the team. So let's operate under the assumption that pretty much everybody will be gone in some form or fashion. But it being the White Sox, they will never go the whole nine yards. There will be remnants Mm -hmm. of White Sox past somewhere on this team or in this organization. So the challenge this week is think about Who's going to be the last man standing in this organization moving forward? Um, we've had some very creative entries that go beyond the 40-man roster, um, myself included. But I think that it was really just kind of a thought exercise because everybody's assuming that Cease is going to be gone. 
I would equally assume that Louis Louis Robert is going to be gone, but that's just me. But thinking about how things are developing in the free agent market, what does that look like? Uh, okay, that's the assignment. And because uh, I am completely in the dark about how Brian's going to choose, I'm going to give him a little bit of free time to just mull it over as he's nodding along and following along and chuckling. Uh, so I am going to go right back to Tommy. There's also a companion piece coming up with this podcast, as as often as the case, uh, a written piece on site, including many people who were not able to. You can't blame them. I'd have a headache, too, and want to avoid this podcast if I could, but still wrote some about it. So we have a, a number of answers. And, of course, after the three of us speak our pieces, let's say maybe after the break, uh, I'll summarize some of that. There are some people who I actually don't know. I'm not sure if they misunderstood these. I don't really know. Who, who they think their winner is. So there's just some question marks next to some names here. So maybe they'll be challenged to go back and actually, you know, bold face a name or something. So as Brian Moles, I'm going to take kick it right back to Father Soxvis, uh to explain his answer because, as he's already alluded, he sort of went off the board. I did. And the reason being that I, the more I thought through how weirdly half-baked this offseason has been, <laughs> For a team that I had zero expectations for going in. I mean, it's not like I thought they were going to go out and spend money, but it's just like the guys that they're pulling off the scrap heap. I'm like, all right, you've got 10 games here, five games here. These aren't people that you usually want to keep around. I don't see Luis Robert sticking around. I don't see Dylan C sticking around. If nothing else, I see them both getting flipped at the trade deadline. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, there's got to be someone here that's just going to be a figurehead for the rest of time besides Jerry Reinsdorf, because that felt like too much of a cop-out. Yeah. So I went with Tony Russo, who is just advising what he's advising. I don't know what he says or thinks or does. I don't know. Don't it could be that they reminisce about branch ricky and david Eckstein together like i don't know what he does or what they do but thinking about him officially as the senior advisor for the organization i do think that you can draw parallels between some of the moves that are being made now some of the moves that didn't feel quite like rick Hahn being made previously and there will be assumptions that his fingerprints are still very much on the roster and on the team's development cycle moving forward. So to me, I just think that as long as he is breathing in whatever cryogenic chamber that he's in, he will be the figurehead for the White Sox for however many years to come. Tommy, right back at you. What do you think Tony thinks? Because this, this, hiring came when he was in this gray area he was he had his he yeah. had health issues he was sort of away from the team even though i'm you know i'm sure he and reinsdorf were still playing like words with friends all the time or, or exactly you know, pouring yeah. drinks for each other whatever what do you think he thought of the hire i'm gonna guess he was not going to give a thumbs up on the hire of Pedro Grafal, but what do you, what do you think he thinks about it because that in this case this is one way he's uh he's a little handcuffed in, in terms of what Tony Larissa thinks about Pedro yeah, Rafael? Yeah, what would you, I mean, you think in any way he was like, oh, yeah, it sounds like a good idea? I think it was more philosophy than anything, where a lot of the Royals holdover, if you want to call it that, whatever this is, this weird fetishization of the Royals franchise that the White Sox seem to have, mm-hmm. it, it very much is... Tony Larusa slash, you know, Cardinals adjacent hmm. to okay. being grindy. We're going to okay. focus on defense and speed. We're going to have pitch to contact. We're not going to have strikeout guys that throw high velocity. All of that is very much in that same vein and wheelhouse. So I don't think it was necessarily like Larusa advising, hey, this Pedro Grafol guy seems great. I think it was like they looked at his, the teams that he was affiliated with and said, yeah, this aligns with the vision. Okay. So even though his name wasn't uh, Pedro Eckstein, exactly. he, was, he was like, okay, it's close <laughs> enough. 
sort of we'll make it work yeah grindy he must be yeah. grindy because i've never heard of him he must be grindy uh okay that, that's interesting i would have thought he'd be like oh no no if it's not you know david Eckstein or whoever uh but yeah that, that actually makes some sense because there's some weird yeah the fetishization of like the whole state of missouri apparently yeah apparently we know but see the royals don't even have a way i guess they have a way <laughs> it's not I a guess. very thick book I, or very successful a book but okay <laughs> Great. Leave it to the White Sox to pursue the Royals' way instead of even the Cardinals' way, which is obnoxious, but okay. Until At least that's year, a real thing. Someone yeah. Was, yeah, someone yeah. was successful, and it's a textbook that some of the players read, I guess. Okay, Brian has had plenty of time to mull it over. I've seen him like viciously like crossing answers out. Uh, I think he looked up a few verses to somehow color uh, what his answer is going to be. So, all right, spotlight. I'm Brian O'Neill. Uh, who is your, I don't know, who, who prevails in the feats of strength for you? I'm, I'm going to start roster-wise. And okay. I, mean, I agree with Tommy. I, I, I don't know if I'm positive that they're going to. I feel that in terms of trading Robert or Cease, they're going to hold out for too much and kind of screw themselves over and in the process maybe successfully keep good players. I don't know. <laughs> but I think if you're looking at the roster now, the person they're never going to get rid of that in five years we're going to be like, oh, what the fuck, he's still on the team? Romy Gonzalez. And I'll tell you what. I, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I was on that Lori Garcia pipeline is strong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For whatever reason, I was looking up on MLB.com, which is not the best source. And their advanced stats had the extremely advanced stat of grounded a double play and grounded a double play opportunity. I mean, I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm getting too deep into analytics here with oh, grounded yeah, yeah, double yeah. plays. I don't want to. We'll pull you back. We'll pull you back. Yeah, okay. pull back. He had. 12 ground into double play opportunities, zero double plays hit into, mm. and hustles. Mm. Mm -hmm. They're broken up. The fielder's missed. I don't remember every one of his at-bats for the season. I can't replay them. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of dumb shit that mm -hmm. I think. You're going to be like, that kid just hustles. We mm -hmm. need him in case one of our other nine utility infielders mm -hmm. get hurt. And so, yeah, years from now, we're going to be thinking, hey, he's still on the team. Yeah. Brian, he hustled so hard he got injured and missed. The, it was on 60, uh, 60 day, you know, IL. That's hustle. That's grind. If you grind so much, you break yourself. Yeah. We need that guy. Yeah. That's a good call. It's the White Sox way. It is. Uh, non roster wise. Okay. Go off the board. You're going to look at, uh, and I, I, don't want, I don't want to get into elemental poetry here or anything like that, but the last thing that's going to be there is the earth underneath their feet, Roger Bossard. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's fair. Dirt, dirt never dies. That's fair. So, I mean, Gene to Roger to, I mean, wh whoever, whatever sons or daughters Roger may have. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a bastard. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Well into next century. That's true. Yeah. The rains will come and the earth will dry and bastard will still be there. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, a good okay. point. That seems yeah. fair. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll take um, Brian's cue and I will, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll straddle the fence as well. Um, the wishful fan, which you don't often get um, from me um, in, in print, in video, or an audio, will say, uh, Luis Robert, I want, I want him to be the uh, winner of the feats of strength. I want, meaning, I want him to have seasons of 100 plus, I'm not I'm going to get greedy, 100 plus games. So he's mm -hmm. putting up the three, four, five war uh, that make him, you know, enough of a superstar that the White Sox you know, can't move. Sorry, sorry, Luis, you have a team of 4A players around you for years to come, but you're a White Sox player. Now, what Tommy intimated being, you know, yeah, he's going to be gone or flipped at the trade, you know, I see it more. He's not going to be healthy enough. And so, you know, Getz will talk himself into, you know, okay, you know, we, we need a guy. He, he ha doesn't matter that he, he gives you three war in 80 games. We need a guy, you know, I have to have a guy who plays 150 games, 150. you know, even yeah. if he sucks yeah. um, and, you know, make it, he can talk himself into the same way. Maybe Dylan, though, if you dig into those numbers, like uh, our friend here, Brian O'Neill does, um, you know, that his season wasn't as bad, perhaps as it appeared. Um, he had this season where it's like, well, oh, geez, if he has another one like this and his ERA is like four, even though he's, you know, putting up good war numbers, he's clearly the only guy who can pitch for us. Uh, well, then his mark is going to be nothing and I'll get nothing for him. It's like there's this weird push to trade Dylan Cease and it does seem a foregone conclusion. He will not be a uh, even a finalist in feats of, of strength because, you know, he could be gone as we're talking now. 
Luis, my heart wants him to be the winner because there's that's like the one guy. I'm not even so convinced about Dylan, but he's a pitcher. You know, who knows? He's got the crazy stash. He likes opening, you know, basketball cards. I mean, he's got a lot, a lot of other things going on. You know, uh, his weird, you know, no vaccine. Gen- it's just a lot of stuff happening there. I get a little too busy for me. Luis, though, he's got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> you know, male model and you know, uh, MVP candidate. Music videos. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, I, I still hope he can, you know, keep it together enough to at least just be the one guy you would recognize any given day, even in the dugout injured, but uh, any given day in the lineup. Um, that said, you know, if I if yeah, if I had to guess, if I wasn't going with my heart, yeah, I'd say, sorry, Luis. And boy, that Romy Gonzalez sounds pretty sharp because it is going to be him or just another anonymous, you know, kind of guy. Maybe that turns into like Lenin Sosa or... Yeah, definitely. Gavin Sheets yeah. seems to, you know, beyond comprehension, be, you know, he is again like our starting right fielder going into the season. And, you know, again, no diss on Gavin because if he was playing his regular position, I guess maybe he wouldn't be a negative player. Maybe he'd just be a, a no, nothing player. But uh, anyway, yeah, off the board, and uh, which is my answer on site. Um, yeah, I guess it's a weird one. But to me, it's the Chicago Cubs. The White Sox had an opportunity oh, to take back a chunk of this city. There's, there's a, there's, um, I mean, we've referred to this many times. This gets under my skin. It's a bugaboo of mine that this is a Cubs town, blah, blah, blah. And I understand in Chicago right now, and perhaps for some time, certainly back to 1981 or 82 when the Chicago Tribune assumed ownership of one of the baseball teams and not the other, uh, there's been a tilt that has pushed Cubs Cubs, Cubs, Cubs. Uh, that it becomes a tired type of um, storyline because in the last 10 years, uh, hey, dummy Brett, you can't point at that anymore. The Cubs are a well-run organization, um, at least you know GM-wise, starting with Theo Epstein and, and on to whoever there is now. I don't pay close enough attention. I do know that they've managed to turn around a rebuild. They've gone from a World Series contender to turning around a rebuild to be basically a playoff. As much as I want to laugh at them for not making the playoffs last year, well, okay, <laughs> they had a chance until like last weekend. Yeah. So I really can't get too down on them, even though, of course, I secretly delight in the fact that there's some pain on the north side clearly they are a well-run enough organization in a bad division but not as bad as ours that they've somehow now spun themselves into the division favorite for this coming season and probably a likely playoff team while the white Sox are in whatever hell they put us in now where you check every box as a fan and you know i mean or or you, you issue a grade for every aspect of the team uh, from a fan standpoint and it's an f this was an opportunity for the white Sox as utterly insipid i dare say far worse than whatever that clown's name is in oakland who's moving the team the most insipid ownership and ownership group in probably all of sports certainly in baseball which is quite a competition i mean unfortunately there's a competition from the south side as well uh moving games from the 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 wgn world to hey take it for free which again certainly fueled a lot of that whole cubs town thing and this nationwide comes fandom and lovable loser being like a thing that people are like proud of uh to you know now it's isolated on this bizarre you know insurrectionist um, network uh, which you know is a challenge you know it's somewhat of a challenge again maybe not more so than the white Sox, but it's not as uh, um you know, pay no mind as it was with, you know, WGN and after school games and all that stuff. There are just so many openings for the White Sox to, including obviously with improved performance on the field, which we were, you know, promised or whatever, which was the natural cycle of competitiveness in sports. The White Sox had their downtime. This is supposed to be a competitive window, which shut basically after a year. Uh, so, of course, that was blown. But even the off-field stuff, which you'd argue for, for fandom is it, perhaps more important. It certainly has importance that rivals what the team's doing, wins and losses. The fact that the White Sox are now rivaling that disgust disgusting team on the north side i'm sorry if some of you are fans of both and if melissa was on the podcast with us you know I'm, I'm insulting her husband or dante's dad or whatever other clown cubs fans out there i do not know how you live with yourselves <laughs> how in the world can you continue ali allen who is much seemingly like hated by the south side Sox, long-term 
fan base. I'm not really sure whatever happened there. He's been a very kind guy to me. And I've told him straight out, I have no clue. I don't care how long he's older than I am. He's been a fan of the Cubs for longer, maybe than I've been alive. Uh, or certainly longer than I've been a baseball fan, I do not know how you can continue to do that. The White Sox had such an opening here on tons of levels. Not only did they not take it, but now they are rivaling that disgusting Ricketts, DeVos, ownership, group, team on that level. You hire and and champion and and soft pedal abusers. Well, you know now the White Sox are doing the same. You're going to trash your fan base. Well, you know, guess what? <laughs> We're way ahead of you. Um, the fact that there's oh, there's really nothing, and we've said this on many podcasts, that there's nothing that the White Sox can point to, or we as White Sox fans can point to, to say, here's what we got better. The the food, maybe I don't know. The 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 fact that more a bigger percentage of the fans care about the game i mean we're talking crazy numbers because it's like what's the percentage of five thousand fans in, in our part versus you know right. you know whatever that yeah. is over there uh that's such a failure and you could tell me you know you're 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 tilting at windmills i know that i am because i know this was already lost before this particular feat of strength this has been a loss that's been probably years in the making uh but it's a thing that jumped first in my head when, when you know, Tommy trotted it out again, uh, that it's such an opportunity loss that even if the White Sox were not as competitive, even the Cubs were winning division, the Sox, let's say, were a 500 team or, or were falling short of the playoffs like the Cubs did last year. Uh, there's still something to take away from the fandom, from the, from the ballpark experience, uh, from, the play, from the players on the roster, from perhaps the organization, uh, the, the prospects coming up. There's just no aspect that we can point to right now, and 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 we're going to get to it here in the in the second half after our break because of course we have new news to talk about that sort of does fall a little bit into the feet of strength category. The White Sox on almost a daily basis, and that's the off season. What's even going on? We know they're not going to actually be active. What's going on? They're still finding ways to break our hearts, to insult us, to say, you know what? We're actually going to compete with those scumbags on the north side, and we actually want to beat them somehow. Jerry Reinsdorf went from being this guy who had all these championships. And and there was a time I used to defend the guy because it's like, well, you know what? You might not like him or well, whatever. He tore down Comiskey Park and broke little Brett's heart. But he's got, you know, there's seven rings here. I mean, there's that's said something. I don't know what it says at this point. This is a guy now that seems like he wants to compete on the Ricketts level. I mean, I understand you cannot descend into that kind of scumbag. Or I don't care what kind of tax loopholes or whether he's he's holding the Chicago up for the fan base up to go to Nashville. or something. Ah, Who cares? That's that's nowhere near the same level as those dirtbags on the north side. But the fact that he even like wants to get into the team picture there and compete. For the most disgusting ownership, you know, on the city, not only in the city, but in sports, is it's disheartening. Uh, the Cubs are my, as much as you, you both know, I hate to admit it, the Cubs are are who prevails in the feet of strength. Sorry to take up so much time. I didn't mean to uh, rant, but, you know. No, you're absolutely right. right. But, yeah, that's heartbreaking. I knew a lot of people are like, I could become a Sox fan, a lot of Cubs fan friends. Exciting young team. You know, everything was just going right. The Cubs have put out their, you know, uh, what paid to watch us play and 50 cents out of every dollar goes to the reelection campaign for Trump. Like, Hey, this is, this is a lot of people just didn't want to, but they were walking up the staircase and then they just like fell off it. Yeah. Like, like it was yep. so disheartening. But it's happened. It's happened every decade. I mean, in the nineties, Chicago yeah. was very much mm-hmm. a Sox leaning town. Definitely. Like the only reason why I used to go to so many Cubs games growing up was because Cubs games were the ones that everybody gave away. Like you had to know somebody to get a White Sox ticket. And the strike that Jerry Reinsdorf started screwed that whole thing up for the White Sox. And then a decade later, you had the early 2000s and then the 2005 team. You had a really aggressive but semi-functional organization that went way off the rails between Ozzie Guillen and Kenny Williams and led to just a huge mess that Jerry never cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And that was another instance where it's like the White Sox have always been on the precipice of really becoming just as loved as the Chicago Bulls, which I know is another Reinsdorf organization, that even all this time later from any sort of relevancy, 
still gets the benefit of the doubt because mm -hmm. people remember mm -hmm. that dynasty. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, if the Sox had any sort of a run like that, even just two in a row, oh, yeah. they would be in a place where year after year, even in years like this, they would still be treated in a totally different way than they are right now. And they've never seen that through. And that's something I've never really understood. And if I ever got the chance to interview or talk to Jerry Reinsdorf, I would always wonder that because for a man that has always been so incredibly concerned about not so much brand value, but visibility of his brand and like the value of that entity, I've never understood why he would always get his team to the brink of that level of greatness, but never do just the little things that he would have to do. And it's not even spending money, just like mm. the little things that you have to do from an organizational standpoint to see it over the top. Before the break, uh, I just want to insert, uh, I've told the story before you got, you both probably know it as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm framing it in a context here to, shit on the cubs just a little bit more or or at least i don't know maybe maybe have some empathy for for their fans at least the the decent ones whoever they are are there some i don't know i don't want to get into it um uh the uh white Sox world series i mean as as wonderful as that run was i was lucky enough as i repeat all the time because i'm obnoxious uh, i got got to witness all of the the, the whole the full home run uh of playoff games i mean that's unforgettable uh you cannot replace that um and um okay to to make a, a very very long story short uh i was supposed to write a book about the that that season it was the coolest idea ever whatever uh and on the day of game four of the world series um which by the way then winning the world series was going to ensure because god knows you cannot commit to publishing a white Sox book unless they do something like win a yeah. world series right that literally what i was told so okay we are hours away from that actually happening and i'm told that because there's a prior relationship with the Chicago Tribune. There's a Tribune writer who wants to write a book and he's going to get to do the book. And I no longer have a book. And, I, you know, again, let, okay, don't, you know, no tears. Um, but of course, that always sort of shadows the World Series win for me. Of course, I've, you know, gotten over to the point where I can still certainly enjoy and celebrate and, and love, especially as the World Series championship gets further and further uh, in the rearview mirror and certainly not out there on the horizon. But there's just that little, at least for me, that just little part that's like, oh, man, yeah, that's part of the memory. Now, now, here's the part I wanted to get to. Apologize for the three minute intro. But imagine if you win a World Series for the first time in 108 years and then just mere days later, that election happens. You tell me that does not decide to shadow and, and oh, at least partly, if not fully, ruin the celebration of that. Uh, I know for a lot of fans it did, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. too. And actually, before we jump into break, then uh, something Tommy said about, you know, we did this in the 90s, we did this in the 2000s, we did this now. Maybe what lasts, maybe the thing that passes everything is this essential White Sox-ness. Like, Times change, players change, management change, maybe even ownerships change, but there's something that just can't get over the hump, this mm -hmm. kind of spirit of failure mm -hmm. that permeates your organization. So even when everyone's mm -hmm. gone, it's like, what is that, the, the the ship of Theseus thing? Like, even if you replace every part bit by bit. It's still, it's yeah. Still, yeah, like maybe that essential self, unfortunately, is what's going to last. And those of you who are dutiful and don't just listen, meaning, you know, you folks who aren't lazy, God bless you for being lazy enough to actually listen to this podcast, but who actually read our site, you'll see that that's actually my, my prediction. I think that's the starkest aspect of my feats of strength entry is I don't think this time, in contrast to what Tommy said, because there's a cycle of these things and the White Sox have crapped the bed enough to be like, okay, we had, we had the world and then we threw it away. We had the world and then we threw it away and Jerry's off somewhere else or he's running the bulls or whatever, it's thrown away. I do not see how the White Sox quickly or if ever get out of this, and I know that's very doomsday because all this stuff is, is cyclical and the white, it'll be a White Sox, you know, city in, you know, 2040 or 20, what, I don't know, but this seems awfully different. And to, 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 to strike on what Brian just said, now we're getting into a part where, you know, younger fans maybe don't know much other way. They've maybe only known the rebuild era. So they really do 
they might think of themselves as being this like lovable loser kind of fan. Like, oh man, that's just, that's, that's the White Sox. We're all fans who are veteran enough to know that is not what the White Sox were. But now we can't make that claim. We cannot huff and puff and jut our chin out and say, that's not the White Sox or what the White Sox are, because that is what they are now. And they have gone so deep digging now that I, well, I don't, you know, how do you, you know, it's a train at the end of the tunnel. It's not a light. It's it's deep, and I just don't know when it's going to be. So, unfortunately, that means next year, 365 days uh, from now, this feet, this feet of strength. Uh, we'll be right back at it. Just as, just as dark, probably starker. And there might not be time. It might just be the three of us staring into your screen. So, it, it, you know, earmark it. It's going to be a tasty, tasty podcast. We're going to take a break. We're going to summarize a couple other uh, entries. Maybe we'll have a little discussion on that. And I don't know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in baseball, guys. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Uh, hang with us because, I don't know, we'll, we'll kick the ass of the White Sox some more in the second half. So hang out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. White Sox fans, it is Sox Populi. Well, you know, Sox Pop. Drive from the Latin, 167. This is, we are celebrating Soxivus Week 3. And lucky you, there's a Week 4. It's going to be tucked in your stocking or nestled under the tree or one of the candles or the, the Kwanzas or whatever the other things that are all being celebrated. We do still have another gift for you. It's coming in just a few days. Uh, and that is going to be, oh, well, I don't know, Father Soxivus, uh Give us just a little preview of what that's going to be. Well, and, you know, the sharp contrast to what you just talked about <laughs> with, you know, the three of us basically staring into the abyss, right? Yes. Things are going. <laughs> Let's think about what miracle there might be. Is it that Chris Getz is a competent GM? Mm-hmm. Is it that there's no embarrassing thing that happens in the organization for maybe more okay, than cross a week? that off. Like, <laughs> Can we can we stop resetting the counter every four days? Like I, I I don't know what it is, but whatever that miracle is that you look forward to or think might happen, or is just silly enough that you want to write about it anyway, that's what we're gonna talk about um for our Festivus Miracle. <sighs> Miracles. Okay, that is coming soon. Love it. Let's wrap up uh, at least a little bit. Again, if you've read, then it's like, well, Brett, you're wasting my time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch over to um, some, some an easy listening station. I'll come back to the podcast later. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, there are some writers who, if you read their entries, you will not really be able to decide who they think the person or thing uh, it, that will prevail in the feats of strength. Um, uh, Melissa and Dante both. Uh, wrote some stuff and mentioned some players, but I don't think we really got an answer from them. So um, maybe you can tell me in the comments of the story or of this podcast, let me know because I'm I'm a little clueless at this point. Uh, Malachi uh, uh, cites the fans, but he's pointing to uh, Luis Robert as uh, who prevails. And let's face it, that, that seems like a likely one if he's not jettisoned. By, uh, it's a by popular choice. Gets. It is a popular choice. I, I just, I don't want him to be Mike Trout is really what I don't want to have happen, where it's just like, here's this man busting his ass for, you know, 100 games, you know, flagging down fly balls in right field because Gavin Sheets is still out there and not playing in effective right field, and, and that's just his life. Well, I'm selfish, Tommy. I, I mean, if he's got to be something, I'll have him be Mike Trout. I want somebody to watch. I don't care about watching Andrew Benintendi for the next five years or whatever it is. Jeez, how much do you want me to suffer? Thanks, Tommy. Well, let's think about Luis. No, I mean, it's just like, it would be the, it, that's why I feel bad for Mike Trout. Sure. Because like that team is so awful. And even when Otani left and you saw... It wasn't real outrage. I know it was fake outrage, but just the fact that there was even fake outrage about Otani leaving. It's like the Angels organization had two of the most consequential baseball players in recent history 
and could barely make the fucking playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how that's possible. Mm-hmm. And they still screwed it up. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's beyond White Sox. So mm-hmm. I guess we're not that bad because we only have one generational talent mm-hmm. instead of two. But I don't know. I don't know if I could just stomach watching Luis Robert and a bunch of bums for the next five years when Robert's the one that's getting yelled at by Pedro Gafal when he feels like setting the culture mood. Well, I just stamped all, I mean, <laughs> this is common practice for me. I just stamped all of your contracts for the next year. So Tommy, you have to care for the next year. You got no choice. You're contractually obligated. So sorry, buddy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Then we can feel good about him. Yeah. Again, that's another thing for uh, the uh, podcast. 365 days from here. Uh, Allie uh, Wessel also um, cites the fans. She, you know, in, in true scrappy blue collar uh, South side, especially now that she's, she's, I think basically in bronze. She's Hill, there. Course. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, come on, you know? So yes, yeah, she's, she's stepping up saying we will prevail. God bless her for that. I wish I had her heart and faith and youth and all that stuff and pr- proclivity toward coffee mugs and soups. A Joe Reese's super Joe. I mean, go figure. I mean, I admire this guy. He's our brainy guy. He's our Soxman champ. Um, he's twisting himself into a pretzel that says Michael Soroka is the uh, winner oh, of wow. the He okay. Will Prevail, the Feats of Strength. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he's got a lot of money that we're not aware of. He's going to buy the team, or I'm not really sure. I didn't read his his, his entry closely enough I, to know exactly how. I but. get where he's going with that, though. You I I mean, it, I think the White Maybe wait, he gonna... wins because he doesn't have to pitch? Well, I, buy that. that or it's just like the White Sox are in this long purgatory period for long enough where he just is that guy that's around. Yep. Do two or three starter for a bad e- Exactly. Team. Where it's like, I can see that. you look back and you're like, their number three starter had a six mm. ERA. That doesn't seem accurate. And it's like, no, Mike Soroka was that guy. Like, mm. I, I could see that. But he had that good game against Minnesota in August. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Pencil him in for number two next year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. The like Romy- looking back at Jaime Navarro when he was on the White Sox, and it's like, how oh, is this Jesus, man a professional baseball <laughs> God, the abyss was that was like figurative, but okay. Yeah, nice and chilly out. I'm going to strip my shirt off and run through the streets. Uh, okay. Oh, geez, Tommy. A Navarro reference. That might be a first. That might be a first on this podcast. Uh, okay, so the uh, Romy Gonzalez of the pitching rotation. Okay, I see the logic now. Way to go, Joe. Um, and uh, Dealey Ritchie says, because I think she's got some hunch that in the sophomore year, big contracts that players do well, it is Andrew Benintendi. Of course, no one's going to take him, so we know he, is gonna be, he should probably be around for a while. That's not the silliest you know, notion. I mean, though it's a Big contract by the White Sox standards. Of course, a lot of other teams would just take it on. Who cares? You know, like Atlanta's just trading for guys and just like, you know, crapping them out because it's like, okay, you know, whatever. Here's your pink slip. You know, here's your four million. You know, go play for someone else. Uh, the White Sox, you know, I don't know if they're going to be clever enough to deal Andrew or they're going to value his projected 1.1 war for next season. Positive war. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So that wraps it up unless we have some late entries, which uh, were not available at press time. Hey guys, let's, um, anything happening with, um, fa- I mean, I, I'm not in Chicago. I'm not really on the pulse of the news, uh, at least certainly in the off season. It's just uh, sort of hard to keep up. Has there been any like weird fan alienating moves the White Sox have made <laughs> like in the next last, I don't know, eight hours. Cause you know, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm behind. I mean, Brooks Royer still has three hours left to, you know, add something else. Make to it the... worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, technically not just White Sox ticket holders. It's really only those that have sweets. Oh, really? Like those... <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's face it. I, I, mean... I could see that being the next level. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for those of you that wanted to have Sox Fest, now you can go. Asterisks assuming you are a season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. Sox yeah. Fest uh, ticket prices went up by like $5,000. Yeah. Or 4000 you know, whatever $1,000. Yeah. Okay. Reasonable. It, it says there's more information to be released. Is it going to resemble Sox Fest at all? Or is it just like you get to talk to Ron Kittle for three hours? Yeah, it's probably that. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> how bad Garfine this is actually going to be? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Chuck Garfine running around talking about how Pedro Grafal didn't get a fair shake and, you know, interviewing fans. Yeah, I mean, not to do, betray too much inside information, but, but but what they get now in the suites is like a buzz, you know, Ron Kittle, like dropping by yeah. and like saying off-color things. I don't see how that's going to be much different here. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be it a little be. bit more uh, stuffed shirt, but, and, you know, there'll be like a little bit of free food, but, you know, if you want like toppings on your lote, you know, it's like, you know, you, you do have to pay or something. Next for $30. Yeah. Can you imagine how loud, I mean, you know, Soxfest is what it is. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool aspects of it. And some of it's like, oh, geez, I'm in a line again, or I missed all this other stuff. But, you know, I mean, that's just the nature of some of these, you know, events you go to Disneyland, you're not going to, you know, hit all your you know, rides or whatever, but can, I got to imagine this is going to be rough. You know, it feels it's just an extremely self-congratulatory event. People can congratulate themselves for affording to be there. Like if you can drop money on white taxis and tickets, especially suites, you probably don't care that much about money. Or I mean, like that amount of money doesn't matter to you. So it just, oh. like you said, just I can't imagine it being enjoyable, except in that very I, kind of most country club sort of way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think what I find amusement from is that it very much proves the point that we've all been making all along about how the franchise is afraid to actually interact with the fan base. And by saying, okay, we're going to have an event, which we still don't know what this event actually is, and it's only open to season ticket holders, you're very much saying, we mm -hmm. don't want to interact with the general public, but we will interact yeah. with the few thousand of you <clears throat> that have vested interest in the organization to help prop us up yeah. and make it look like we care yeah. when we really don't. Yeah. Two, two points, Tommy, yeah. two points. The what, what's happening? Ooh, you got why, balloons. Did I, why, why did I do balloon? Wait a minute. Do, if you do this gesture, does it do balloons? Holy crap. I'm now I'm getting really frightened because now I know they're listening. See uh, this whole time. Let's see. Where is it? The shadow here. This is, this is not like a shadow from lighting, you know, with my, you know, uh, 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 you know, half-ass setup here. Uh, I mean, that's this is like the ghost. This is like the ghost of Larusa. This is Reinstorf right here. You know, this is Christmas Carol right it's here. Brooks Boyer. So. It's you know, he's got his <laughs> <Right>. agents out. <laughs> so with the, uh, thing, with the balloon thing, would that be awful if you're doing like a telehealth session and your doctor's like, you have two weeks to live? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, you do the gesture. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm sure that's a scary thing. I'm sure it's happened. Oh, okay, let's see. The two points were, okay, where are the balloons, Brett? Where are the balloons? Uh, okay, first of all, they're timing it right at Soxfest. And I understand yeah. there's somewhat limited maneuverability, but that's a middle finger. And number mm -hmm. two, if you're a season ticket holder, okay, let's say, how many people are going to take, uh, let's say 5,000 people are going to take advantage? Yeah, probably not. But okay, whatever that number is, if you even had the forum to say, Q&A with Chris Getz. And I doubt they're going to do any kind of that kind of exposure. But say yeah. you did, and you start getting uppity, and you start acting up and voicing some real concerns, or even just not even angry, not cussing, you know, not, you know, not ugly fan, but just some real stuff. They, they got you. I mean, yeah. those actors, I'm sure they still got you, but they're like, okay, well, um, waiting list for the next yeah. section over next year? Well, maybe, but probably not. Probably I mean, not. That's a weird yeah. little thing, which again, they're controlling the event. You accept the ticket, uh, you know, now, now, uh, now you're theirs. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it is, it is such a weird, weird way to go about it. And I would like to think that somebody in that organization has enough self-awareness to realize how badly that looks especially in contrast with the cubs announcement that came out like the day before like i i just it's bad and i'm sure as more details come out it's just going to look worse yeah i know josh or whoever like put it out there but do we have any sense of what was that something that was like actually like tweeted or was that something that was was sent that you know the sort of pulled it was it? I mean, to just Okay, it was so I mean, it's not as holder. if it was so brassy. It was like, okay. No. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough. You don't get balloons I mean, for that. I don't get no. that, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, I but, dare you. I dare you. Come on. Uh, whatever that's. I don't know what happened there. I like it. Though. But I just. Balloons. I mean, no, it, it wasn't like a an email that went to all fans but at the same time you if anyone that works in the organization or any public facing company you know that information like that is going to get shared immediately so i don't 
think they it's not like they didn't think about it. Yeah. There's a chance that in a, in the very White Sox backwards way of thinking that they thought this would incentivize people to buy season tickets in the next month so that you too could share a bowl <laughs> of cheese and crackers with Brooks Boyer. Like, oh, yes, listen, I, no, I, I was sitting on the fence before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get to spend one day in an airport Hilton listening. I to can it. hear that phone script now. It's like, yeah. hey, <laughs> do you want to be able to talk to Chris Getz? Well, <laughs> you get season tickets. You can come on down to FanFest. Like, hello, right. hello, prospective season ticket holder. Would you like to be part of an exclusive Q&A with Pedro Grafal? Have you ever wanted to find out what he's going to say? A culture 500 times in an hour? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like a... That's like the weirdest survey that you could ever take. It's like, hey, how about you give us money and then we'll let you possibly talk to people that are affiliated with the organization. Yeah, think about when, um, you know, when uh, the kids could play and they made the playoffs in 2000. Yeah. Uh, my dad and I got hyped. So we got, I don't remember, I don't think it was a full, but I mean, we got a, a pretty um, substantial season ticking of course you know that excitement burned off uh same with the world series right okay yeah oh mm-hmm. my God. you know which is the way things are supposed to go right and then yep. suddenly you have like a waiting list receiving tickets right uh but back then i guess it was bitty 2006 uh not only did you get invited to go to uh to watch the screening of um whatever the championship you know the movie was, which yeah. is pretty cool because mm-hmm. i was sitting like i mean on one hand there was a tribune editor and um you know, Sox mistreater uh, demographic, but then like, you know, two seats over with me was uh, Minnie Minnie show. So, I mean, I was like, okay, this, this is sort of cool. You were a little bit hobnobbing and dead a winner. It really did sort of give you hope. And of course, at that time we thought we had a dynasty, right? Uh, but then also then there was the uh, like grinder. I mean, of course everything was grinder then like grinder day or something where you actually got, I think there were a few days and you could sign up for one where you got to you obviously post the trophy, you got to go on the field, oh, yeah. you got to go yeah. in the dugout, you got to, you know what I mean? That's, that's typical fan outreach stuff. But think that's what they were doing you know, at a time where, you know, I guess things were, you know, I guess they were being run what, a little bit better. But that's what teams are supposed to do. It's and never now, okay to it play. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, hey, hey. With like, your I ticket, mean, you, get, uh, you get a coupon for like, one churro. Right. <laughs> like, oh, the kids want to run the bases? Uh, hold on. How many tickets have you bought this year? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jimmy. You got to go. Got to go back to your seat. They put up a little toll booth at each base. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We did truck in the artificial turf we pulled up in 1975. It's available in this other ballroom. The kids can run there. You're not going to touch the field during the season. Exactly. Yeah. They might get confused with some of the actual players, but uh, yeah. Well, interesting uh, breaking news. Seemed sort of fitting with, I don't know, our despair over the the sadness of feats of strength where just in this group, the answers were Tony La Russa, Roger Bossard, uh, the <laughs> legitimate one. Let's face it. You know, I mean, although Romy is, that's, that's a good one, but Romy might not be a legitimate I don't too. know. I mean, uh, Romy might be playing here yeah. for 20 years at the rate yeah. things are going. <laughs> Especially uh, here's the connection. If Tony's still around, oh yeah, Romy, he'll he'll be manager when he decides to, to hang it up. And then the, the Cubs. So that you know, that's sort of the 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 vibe of uh of this feats of strength. Uh maybe didn't go well, no, probably actually went exactly the way you thought it would when you drew it up there, Father Saxivist. So yep. well done. We executed, I think, pretty well for you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, in just a mere few days, I'm not really sure when we'll like trickle it out there. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, families, you know, like open a gift on Christmas Eve or I'm not really sure how the other, you know, faiths do, but I'm sure there's a way to try to cheat or when the kids are being obnoxious enough, it's like, okay, yeah, just hold them all. I just want this to be over with, uh, you know, hat tip to Tommy there because he is about to embark in that that crazy odyssey yeah. for uh, 2023. Um, but uh, probably... Maybe it's probably going to be, I think it's going to be a little Christmas Eve treat will trickle out there. That'll be the next one when we're coming out there. And let's face it, it's heartwarming. If it's like it is. Tundra out there in Chicago, it's going to melt that. You're going to feel so warm by these Saxivus miracles. And you might have enough faith. Well, I won't say that you're going to become a season tick holder and get to be part of that special Saxfest uh, elite. How else will you go to Saxfest? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the only way. 
I mean, that Palmer House Hilton is, I mean, that's a fine. Oh, they oh you know they're not going to have it at the Palmer House. No. You have it in a parking lot, a shopping mall. It's going to be lot. in lot G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You people say you love to. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Just substitute a snowball for a bag. Right. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yes, uh, despite the 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 um, the joviality, the despair-riddled joviality of this podcast, we might actually have some. Oh, I don't know. I won't. But but some folks appearing on our special, let's just say maybe Christmas Eve or Sunday podcast for our Socks of Us Miracles might be bringing so much heat and happiness and joy or or let's face it father Saxon is going to be so dead fatigued oh he's going to be punchy so you know he's going to have some fun things to say because he's just dead beat um uh and you know hopefully that you know that'll carry us all at Southside Sox through the end of the year and then really once 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 father time turns that calendar over to january 1st then it really starts to get real 2024 is here and man people i tell you it is going to be the worst. We're going to try to make it as fun as possible. We're going to, I mean, you know, we're going to laugh despite, you know, through the tears. But this 2024, I've yet to see anything that tells you it's not going to be maybe by a fair margin, the most painful season we have ever seen as White Sox fans. And so maybe knowing that going in, it's like you're at the top of the Toboggan Hill. We're going to just dive into it. And, and man, we are going to just, our eyes are going to burn out. But this time next year, I guess we'll, you know, we'll be chucking each other on the shoulder saying we made it. I mean, those of us who live, those of us who do survive it, because I'm not certain we're all going to. There's already you know, rumbling. A whole new meaning to enjoying the ride. Oh, God, think about that. Oh, Lord help us. Uh, well, uh, Brian and uh, Tommy, Father Sogsbus, thank you for making this a relatively in intimate, uh, you know, go figure as the White Sox fan base. Uh, it's not getting smaller. It's just getting more selective. I guess so is our, uh, so so is our podcast participation. <laughs> so, hey there, uh, I'll be talking to you alone on Sunday night. See you next time around for Sogsbus Miracles. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be at you on Sunday. Hang with that because that might actually be slightly brighter, but we'll see. We'll be I know I'm going to take the under, but uh, Brian, Tommy, please do some of the heavy lifting and make people happy out there. I don't know if I can. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for reading, watching, uh, all that stuff. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we know you sort of don't want to, but appreciate that somehow, despite it all, you crawl through the glass that is White Sox fandom to hang out with us. And hopefully you can laugh along with us, because what else can you do at this point? This is this is rough. And the season hasn't even started. The year hasn't even started yet. The season hasn't started. And then most importantly, Fake Sox Fest, Rich Sea Country Club, uh, what's the country club called in Caddyshack? Whatever that is, that the that country club uh, Sox Fest is is not even upon us yet. We're still about a month away from that, so uh, I don't know. We'll be there. With, I'm sure we'll have live coverage from that Sox because I'm sure I'm sure we'll get us. an invite. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we'll Tommy, let's just send you, and then you can be our plants. <laughs> Ask all the tough questions that'll get you kicked out before it even starts. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. We'll be back at you in just a matter of a few days, and maybe it'll be brighter. It won't be for me, but, you know, we'll do our best. We promise we'll do our best.